welcome back to the Failing Awesomely podcast. We are honored today to have my breastie, Rebecca Mazden, back on the show. She is my sister in Christ, a wife, business owner, active wear designer, and fellow 2020 breast cancer survivor, which is why I call her my breastie, obviously. Today, I catch up with Rebecca to talk about life after cancer, the aftershocks of slaying our Goliaths that we weren't expecting, and trying to control our emotions on top of it all, along with the added hormone therapy drugs that we are now on. One of my favorite lines Rebecca said that really resonated with me was when she was describing how she imagined everyone else in her life feels now that she's cancer-free. She said, walk it off, kid. You're better now. Time to put your non-cancer big girl panties on. As much as we want to, it's easier said than done to simply walk away from our battles we just won. But as I've learned from Rebecca, we are not the sum of our earthly circumstances. We belong to Jesus Christ. And he alone is who we find true life and freedom in. We also get to hear all about Rebecca's exciting business venture and how she got started designing her own activewear line that launches in just a few days. I'm so excited for her. This Saturday, January 30th at 1 p.m. Central Time Zone. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Hello, my sweet friends. I feel so fortunate that you're joining me for season two of the Failing Awesomely podcast. My hope is that you can find encouragement while listening to my personal stories of overcoming life's obstacles, whether you're chasing big dreams or just trying to make it through the day as a mama of little ones. I'm excited to bring my friends along to inspire you with their stories as well. Let's empower one another to stop selling ourselves short, stop the negative self-talk, and focus on what makes us awesome. Because we all are. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And it's time we start believing that. Hi, my sweet breastie. How are you? (laughs) My sweet breastie. I'm so good. Especially since I get to see your face this time. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you for being on again. If you are listening for the first time, you need to go back and listen to episode 21 where Rebecca um, was on the podcast first. The title of that episode is I Have a Breast Cancer Buddy. And it was amazing. Your story, girl, I had so many messages of people saying, Rebecca's story just touched me so much and her outlook on life is just so beautiful. So I'm I'm so excited to have you back, not only to kind of talk about how you are now because you were halfway through chemo and I was almost halfway through chemo the last time you were on the podcast. So that feels like, does it feel like forever ago to you? Because it feels yeah. like that for me. It feels like forever. I can't even remember, you know, I meant to go back and listen to it just to kind of know like where I was before, but it does feel like it's been forever ago. I didn't realize that. So we hadn't tackled radiation yet. We hadn't tackled all the other fun things and no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it feels like forever. And I'm just so honored that to be back with you. And I'm so glad that we can both 
say that most of it is behind us and hopefully, you know, we're, we're remission girls now and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Praise Jesus. I, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. Mm -hmm. My prayer is that we can now be on a mission to help other people go through this and kind of see a positive outlook on everything. Because I feel like we both were blessed in a lot of ways by this cancer journey more so. I mean, there were a lot of hardships and of course it's scary. Of course, there's a lot of real human fleshy things that we feel, but Mm -hmm. I, the one thing that I love and why one of the many reasons I feel so fortunate that God connected you and me through this journey is because we both kind of have tried to have that positive outlook. Mm -hmm. And when one of us wasn't, we were able to bring each other up. Yeah. And yeah. And so that was so needed, but you, ma'am, you are almost what you're almost seven months post chemo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, so a little over six months post. Yep. And yeah. about four months post radiation, just yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And now, like me, you're you've been on hormone therapy ever since. Mm-hmm. So how are you doing now? How, how have you been feeling with all of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, what a question. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling great, you know. I mean, God's still allowing me to be alive on this earth. So while I'm in this realm, you know, I'm doing as well as I think I can be. Um, of course, you know, you have, there, I just feel like <laughs> I giggle because that's such a complex question. Oh, you know, definitely. How, how are you doing? Uh, it's kind of funny lately, you know, my physical body is doing great. Um, some, some things, you know, are coming back like the courting. Um, I don't know if we ever talked about that in the first one, but you know, for most people with breast cancer, you would have to have, you know, a single or double mastectomy. And then sometimes if they have to take, you know, lymph nodes and things like that, you know, you tend to get the cording into the armpit where you can, you know, it it can get as bad as not being able to lift your arm at all. You know, you start losing mobility. It's very painful and, you know, that kind of deal. Um, so I got that pretty early on, but then, you know, I did rip therapy where I just forced it to go and I was doing great, but now it's coming back. So, so crazy. You say that because mine's coming back too. Yeah. So that's right a little now, disheartening. Cause you're like, I, I did all this stuff and I made it through and then it comes right back. So it's something, you know, having to except the fact that this will be a lifelong thing for us, that we, ha- yes. we, you have to stretch it out. You have to be on top of it, you know, and then we just got back from a family ski trip. And so I have a doctor's visit next week to check out my ribs because we think that I might have just a really small minor fracture in my ribs. Oh no, down. girl. Um, so, you know, which, and, and it's not, <laughs> I, you know, it kind of sounds funny probably to the public of, you know, I think I might've broken my ribs, but it's no big deal. It's just a minor, but, but really, you know, after radiation, they make your bones so brittle sometimes. That True. And then the hormone therapy on top of it makes you, it can affect your bones. For sure. Yeah. So now, so we get, we get the, you know, I think a term that I've really been thinking about lately is something that I, even with, you know, we were talking and you and I both reached out to a lot of breast cancer, um, survivors, you know, just to, to hear the life after it, right? Like, is there a life after breast cancer? What's it like, you know, yep. how did you cope? How did you grow? You know, what were all the things and what were the surprises? And I think 
it all boils down to me right now as like the aftershocks of breast cancer treatment. And, and so with aftershocks, you know, that's physical aftershocks, that's mental aftershocks and, you know, spiritual aftershocks and sexual aftershocks and all these little aftershocks that can, they're like ripples. And, and so I, that's why it's funny when someone says, so how are you doing? Oh. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know which, which aftershock ripple you want to hit on today. You know, <laughs> I should know better because <laughs> you are speaking to me. You are speaking truth to me. I know when you say that, and you're talking about the ripples and the aftershocks, it's something that you're, I wasn't prepared for. I really thought, you know, when, when we celebrated me being done with radiation, I felt this euphoria almost like I felt like this weight off. And then not even a month later, it was like, what now? Like, yeah. I, you know, when you're, when you're going through treatment, it's almost like you're on this. I, f- I felt like the little engine that could is the best way I you're can describe warrior, it. Right? Yes. You're a warrior. You're a warrior. You're you are a fighting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you get and, home from your deployment and now you have to deal with the PTSD. The war is over, but it's still raging inside of you and everybody around you can't understand. Oh my gosh. That's how I feel. I totally get what, you know, I mean, I, obviously it's different. Um, for those of you who are listening that may have someone deployed, or if you've been deployed, obviously it's different. You know, everyone has their own struggles and their own versions, but that's truly how it feels to me is, you know, we were, I mean, we constantly, you and I talked about how we were David and we were slaying Goliath and we were at war and we were going to push each other and encourage each other. And we were going to just tackle this thing, Amen. you know, cancer messed with the wrong girls. And, and so <laughs> we looked at it like it was war. And, you know, we were, you know, we were on the God army, you know, we were, we were on that side. So we weren't afraid. We were, we were ready to roll. In fact, we were, you know, we were going to show it a thing or two. And so (laughs) then you, then now the war's over. So it's like, you know, it's almost like having a goal. And like, when you're working towards that goal, you can stay encouraged and like the adrenaline stays going and you're ready to fight and fight and fight. And then you get the goal and then it's like, what? well, what now? You know, and so I just truly feel like I have been deployed to war and, you know, I had to go through this wild stuff. Some of the stuff I saw, you know, was crazy. I watched people right beside me die, just like they do in battle at chemo or whatever. Like you hear, I heard, you know, elder, this elderly woman crying out to the Lord not to take her just yet. I mean, there's just wild things that felt like battle. You know, we could, we, there were days where we couldn't, walk on our own. And, you know, there are days when we got really sick. There were probably days when you couldn't hold your son, you know, either of your sons. And so, yeah, I couldn't hold them for eight weeks after my surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Battle. I mean, there were, there were mornings I have never passed out for any reason ever. I've never had that feeling. And then, you know, right after surgery, like you said, I mean, I remember, my, you know, my husband would go to clean up my drains or um, drain my drains, you know, right after surgery. And I would hit the floor. I remember every that. morning, every morning, you know, and then I, <sighs> I fainted in the middle of Publix that one time when my friend I I wasn't ready and I wanted it. Yeah. That. Oh, so that's yes. war. And so then now we, we come home from war, right? So we come back, the battle's over. 
for now. And, you know, now we've got to live, we've, we've got to acclimate into normal living, but we're not normal on the inside, you know? And um, my husband, you know, I said, it's just so weird, you know, talking about the stuff, like adjusting. And, you know, now that I'm not in treatment and he goes, but you are in treatment. The hormone therapy that we do actually is a form of chemotherapy. It is treatment. Now, yep. I did, yeah. And so I, of course, we, you know, in our culture, uh, we don't call it that. We just say it's hormone therapy, you know, but that yep. is what it is. I mean, it's a chemical treatment. And for those of you that may not know the hormone therapy side of it, you know, we get, I'm sure you relate to this, Lindsay, but you know, we, we get through the surgery and then, you know, you got to do the chemotherapy and then you get through that and then you got to do the radiation where they essentially like after you've been, you know, cut all over and then now you're going to be hooked up to chemicals and they're going to basically do like a commercial grade bug fogger to your insides, right? That's a great way of putting it. Uh huh. That's how it feels. And then after that, if that's not enough, they're going to nuke you in a microwave, a human style microwave, <laughs> uh, you know, just to make sure they can fry the rest out of you. But then we, I felt like once I got over that, a little pill a day is nothing. Abs- yeah, that's how right. I felt. Right. And then I took it. And my first day of the hormone therapy, I don't know if you remember. Oh, I do. My first day literally felt like, I mean, within minutes, within minutes of taking this little bitty pill, my vision goes wild. I mean, wild. And I have had 20-20 vision. I've never had contacts. I've never had to have glasses, but I literally, it looked like everything was just jumping off the walls. It looked like I was walking around in a 3D movie. And then if that wasn't crazy enough, um, my bones and my joints felt like someone had poured concrete into my bones. That's what I remember you telling me. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bend my joints. I couldn't bend like the ends of my elbows or bend my fingers or bend my knees. So I felt like I was walking around the house like a stick person because I couldn't bend anything and I couldn't really see. So it, you know, it felt like what people describe bad acid trips or, you know, a bad mushroom trip or something. I've never had that, but it's what it felt like, you know, the descriptions that I've heard. It was just wicked and, and it lasted that whole day. So, you know, and, and I had, I mean, a little TMI alert, but you know, it's hormone therapy, right? So the whole point is to cut off our estrogen and cut off the hormones that, you know, that help us have a period that make us regular, you know, make us healthy. Um, We got to cut those things off because they feed our cancers. And so, um, leading up to the pill in between my radiation and the pill, I had two, well, essentially like a month going into the second month in between before. So I didn't start my, um, my hormone therapy right after radiation. Like I actually had about two months in between. Okay. So what was interesting, um, just how, how I saw how powerful this chemical truly is this little bitty pill. I mean, I, I never, ever in my wildest dreams imagined that it would be as powerful as it was, 
but I knew immediately how powerful it was because my whole entire life leading up to this, I have never had regular periods ever. I might go a year with not even having one. I might've had, you know, two or three in a year. That was, that was common. As soon as I got done with radiation, I had my, my period on this, this next month, right? Well, then I would, the very next month on the very same day, I go to have my second period. That was Sunday. So I started on that Sunday. And so it was look. it was the first time ever in my life where it it appeared that I was going to start, I was regular after cancer. Wow. I'm like, wow, how exciting. This is awesome. Maybe (laughs) this is a hidden blessing. So that's a Sunday. I popped the pill for the first time on that Monday. By Monday night, my period was gone. Golly. It got rid of it in 24 hours. That is so, insane. You know, you women out there understand how heavy a flow, you know, it, it would take, I mean, a freight train to get rid of, you know, at 24 hours. I mean, geez. So that's wild. Yeah. I, um, I feel so fortunate. So I started hormone therapy about a month after radiation was over and for me, everything was so gradual. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm doing a little bit of a different hormone therapy than you. I'm getting Lupron injections and also taking a pill on top of that. Now, my pill on top of the Lupron injections is one milligram. And aren't you taking like 10 of something? Uh, yeah, I started 20 milligrams. 20. And that's, that's what, what I thought. My world. So now I went back down to 10. It, it, it's scary when you have the side effects that you had with that 20 milligrams. That's just insane. I, with, with my therapy, what, what they did was started the Lupron injections first and I wasn't supposed to start the, I, and I didn't, I didn't start the pill and I was instructed not to start the pill until after the second injection. So when I had my first Lupron injection, I felt nothing. I felt right. no different and I got my period and they said that's actually normal after your first injection. After my second injection, I started the pill then with it and I have not gotten my period back since then and all of my side effects have been gradual. I slowly got hot flashes. I slowly, again, sorry, TMI a little bit here, but I slowly started drying up down there mm-hmm. Um and just recently, the emotional uh, anxiety has kind of started to creep in there too. Yeah. Um, exercising really does help me. Exercising and having a really good diet has helped me on days that I don't eat as well or on days that I don't work out. I notice my side effects are pretty they, they can get intense. They, they've never been too intense for me, but they can get worse. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the season of life that we are on and we're going to be on for a long time. I mean, ultimately all of this is our choice and we're just trusting in the Lord that this is what we're supposed to do, but on our own terms too. Um, I love, I love that, you know, you're saying we're navigating it because really like these are un, uncharted waters, right? Like this yes. is our next step. So, you know, we went to work, come back and now it's like, now we're going to be enlisted to the Navy, right? So now we're, now we're on the waters and, and we've never been on them. And, and so, you know, I just think while we're navigating them, 
for me, you know, it's funny as I was going through the treatment and, and God was showing me so much that I had to learn. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about, I believe last time and that you, you know, you've been right here by my side, but when I had that scare on the second chemo where, you know, I stopped breathing and, and I thought that was it. And I had made peace with it. And I was pumped and excited that I was going to get to go to heaven. And then God was like, psych, you know, and uh, <laughs> let me stay here on earth. Um, that changed me. That changed me a lot of different ways. And now that I'm dealing with this kind of like, I guess, as I said, this PTSD, like this aftershock, right? Of now what? Um, there's a few, a few other things other than just learn, like, you know, when we're actively in treatment, and then I, I had that issue, you know, a different thing. And then I got sick and then, you know, all these different things. And um, you're just trying to push through and get by, like you're just trying to survive. And so I don't know if you felt like this, but you know, the, the energy levels that I had were so abnormally low and unusually low for me. Normally I'm the energizer bunny and I have far too much energy, right? Um, usually, you know, a joke that my husband always says is when he gets home, uh, if I'm too much, he'll say, go, go run a lap around the house <laughs> before we try to communicate. Cause I'm exhausted and you're making me more exhausted just talking. <laughs> um, but through treatment, like it got me, like I had no energy. And so I didn't have the energy, the extra energy that I normally would to, to think and, and reflect on things. And I'm an overthinker naturally. And so it was kind of nice, really. I didn't realize it in the moment, but looking back, like obviously that was God's purpose, right? Because he knew that I, I just couldn't, I didn't have the energy to, you know, catastrophize things that weren't real in my head. <laughs> and so, Amen. That is a so, gift. Yeah. And so now, you know, as our energy slowly comes back, uh, a couple of things that have been kind of interesting for me, you know, obviously these are things that I don't want to admit about myself, um, but these are truths. You know, one of those things with the aftershocks would be, you know, now that I'm quote unquote, well, and I'm, I'm better, I'm not sick anymore. You know, everything has changed where it's essentially like, okay, walk it off kid you're good now you're better now you know you're not actively in treatment and so i it, it was very clear it, especially lately it's been made very clear to me how truly blessed and spoiled i was with the amount of people that catered to me while i was going through treatment and you know i mean gosh we went through treatment almost a year you know almost a year's worth of treatment right and so yep. um you know, that's almost a year of me not having to clean my own house, almost a year of me not having to cook dinner for my husband, me almost a year where I never had to do the laundry because my angel army of women would just come and do all that for me while I was sleeping and getting better, you know, a year of not working a year of not, you know, a year of, you know, my husband just being happy that I'm just there, you know? And of course my husband and I had a very healthy sex life, um, which is important, you know, uh, while, while I was in treatment. So I did do that. It wasn't like I neglected him, but 
but I was, you know, I was cared for. I wasn't a caregiver and my responsibilities disappeared so that I could just focus on getting better. And so now it's kind of like, I, it's almost like I've forgotten how to be an adult. Like I wake up and I'm not encouraged and motivated to make up our bed and go do the dishes or go check on the laundry or clean the house. It's just my husband and I, you know, like, it's not like we have a bunch of kids running around. Like, you know, I have an eighth of the work that you have, you know, um, no. but we all have work. It's just different. Yeah. But you know, like it, it, I don't know if you went through that, but like, I, it, it, that was the first thing I'm like, oh my gosh, like cancer has made me lazy. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't like, I miss everybody catering to me. Like what is wrong with me? Like I gotta, you know, grow up. I just turned 30. Like it's time to be an adult and, you know, put your non-cancer big girl pants on and <laughs> stuff done. Hey, you slayed the giant girl. So <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, just like you said, I think it's a part of that PTSD almost of not being in the battle anymore. And I'm, I'm sort of in a little bit of a constant state of, of, I think I already said this earlier in the podcast, so I, I apologize, but I'm, I'm still in a constant state of what now, what, what today. Yeah. Yeah. And that can kind of, it's not that I am unmotivated. It's, I am trying my best to focus on what's most important since cancer. And sometimes that's not, well, I would say all the time, that's not black and white. Right. Obviously our relationship with the Lord is most important. And I know that. So I have definitely been so consistent with spending quality time with the Lord, not every single day, because every single day I have different responsibilities, especially as a mother, but I have, um, I've really nourished that relationship and I'm thankful for that. But when it comes to every single part of my life, I feel like, well, you know, if I were to die tomorrow, I would want to have just played with my kids all day today. I would have wanted to neglect everything else and just play with my kids all day today. But then I'm like, but I'm not dead and I'm not dying anymore. And God has healed me and he has given me a new life and he has a purpose for that. Like there is a reason that I am still here and I feel like I am here to do more. So, I mean, obviously, and when my husband's here, some days I just want to be with him and I just want to spend time with him and my family. But the reality of life is there is a house that needs cleaned. There is laundry that needs to be done. And the this podcast, you know, when I first started it, I wanted it to just be a hobby, something that I did for me. Because as a mom, you feel really stretched thin and you don't do a lot for yourself. So this was kind of like, my form of self-care. Some people's form of self-care is like massages and different things. And this was kind of my form of self-care. And now I feel like there's a bigger purpose in it. And I want to continue to make that time for it because I think God has a message in it. I think God has a message for you to share with the world and your journey, my journey, 
And it's just navigating that so soon after treatment is over, like the what people would say is the harder part of treatment you know, that the chemo, the radiation, the real battle is over. I think we're just kind of in a holding period. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, that's exactly right. We're, you know, we're just, we're on to the next part. We're on the next phase. And everybody's so worried about the first phase from the out, you know, the outsiders, the outliers that are around us watching us suffer you know, they just want us to not be suffering anymore. And, you know, you can see, you know, people say you look sick, right? Like, oh, this was the first time that I felt like I actually looked sick or, you know, whatever. Um, now we don't look sick, right? So it's just different. It's the next thing. But to them, it's done. It's over with. But it isn't, right? And, and that's why, I mean, that's why I feel like the war, you know, metaphor is so true. It's because... Gosh, I, I cannot imagine what soldiers go through. I could not imagine. And then coming back home and trying to acclimate and go, you know, to wine Wednesdays with your spouse and then bring your kids to school. Like that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, not, like, no, it's but, a direct but but transition. That's an internal, that's an yes. internal war that that is still going that didn't stop just because you left a physical place and so just because we left the physical treatment and battle does not mean that we left the internal one and you know for people like us that truly sought out the lord's will through our cancer and we i felt like we both dug so deep to learn ourselves and who who we are through ourselves and through this world and and who we are through the Lord and, you know, really understanding when you, when you experience, when you face death or near death experiences, I guess is a better way to put it. Life, you realize how, how fragile it truly is. You hear it all your life, you know, the cliche, don't take this life for granted because you never know what tomorrow holds. Don't go to bed angry, this, this, and this. But until you're sitting in a chemo chair, lean back and you literally stop breathing and you feel your heart slow down and you're hearing the, the footsteps of nurses rushing in with, you know, all these different breathing machines to try to get you to come back. You don't understand how truly fragile it is. Or maybe, maybe that was just me. Maybe, it, maybe I was stubborn enough where I needed that, but no, me, I agree. Like, like I never truly lived and truly understood how fleeting of a moment my life is. But biblically, we're, we're a mist, right? And so I saw my mist spray, right? <laughs> and, and flash before my eyes, literally. And so, you know, with the aftershocks that we talk about and the coping afterwards, it, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting is I have found myself, now the medicine obviously affects the sun with mood swings, you know, um, and you're starting to experience your version of them, right? So you're, you're getting some of the sensitivities, oh, yeah. but I, I have never been an angry person. It's just not in me. In fact, you know, if someone pushes me, I start laughing because I know that <laughs> when I try to sound mad and angry, like I'll, I might go the passive aggressive route before I try to just you know, yell back because it just sounds ridiculous. And if I ever tried to say a cursor, like it was super funny because it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work with me. I'm, I'm just not that person. And, um, 
you know, with the aftershocks of this, I have found my, I have found anger forming and I had never felt real anger before. Not really. I've always kind of been able to just like most comedians, you know, a lot of really great comics out there and great comedians, they've been through some stuff, right? Some really deep, dark stuff. And the way that they became a comedian typically is they have this terrible childhood story or this awful traumatic situation and laughing became the therapy out of it. Yep. And that's how I usually cope. You know, my childhood was hard. I've had adversity after adversity. So really getting cancer wasn't that bad, that big of it. It was, it wasn't that shocking really, you know, I mean, it's just one more adversity for me to tackle. That's fine. So I could just joke my way through it. But now, um, I find anger kind of showing its face inside of me. And, and so I have to be careful to not harm others by my rippling of my aftershock, Mm. you know? And, and what I mean by that is not everyone's been through what we've been through, right? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody has has had to go through an illness, a disease, or fa- or bad car wreck, or war, like I've talked about, or any, you know, losing a child. I mean, just really intense suffering or near life or near death experiences, just a traumatic, a truly traumatic life altering experience. Not everybody's been through that. Some people never go through that, right? And so for me, sometimes I would find a little bit of, I would start feeling this bitterness or this anger being in in conversations with with people where not that it was empty conversation, but just people complaining about things that to me in this time in my life seems so trivial, Hmm. you know? And then I find myself, I mean, how arrogant, can I be to start judging them for, for that? But you know, that, that's just, that's an honest feeling that I never thought I'd ever go through. Girl, you know, it's, I it's mean, crazy I can't, that you know, you my friends, my friends not wanting to go somewhere because they, they haven't washed their hair today or they don't look their best <laughs> or they can't. And I'm thinking, that's why you're not going to go be with, you know, that like, that's wild. But I yeah. used to be that way too, right? Before, I mean, I, I totally had my silliness and I totally had these little, and to them, those insecurities are real and they're true. But, yes. you know, I want to be like, be careful what you're complaining about that God has created you to look like because he could take it away. I was always so upset about not having boobs. I mean, my boobs are just so small. And, you know, then God allow one of them to go away. And now I'm left with one boob, <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, well, but I've always had great nipples. <laughs> and, and why, why couldn't I be thankful for those before? Like, why did I always have to be, I mean, I used to write God up and down about, you know, really God, like, this is, this is your best. Like, you can't just give me a, like, at least an A, you know, <laughs> um, but now I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, God, I wish I would have yeah. just been thankful for two because Lord, now I have one and I, Ah, it's hard. You yes, know? it is hard. I um, it's it's so crazy that you talk about kind of being in that mindset to judge others based on their insecurities and and their what I like to call champagne problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a good way to put it. Yeah, right. I have been, I've been catching myself judging so much lately, mm-hmm. and I've. 
I've really needed to practice discernment, which is such an obedient thing that God wants us to do. And it is really, really tough. I've had to tell myself at least twice a day, at least twice a day, Lindsay, this is not how God wants you to think of others. This is not what, whatever they're feeling is real for them. Just like what you said, it's real for them. And pray pray that their problems are always this shallow and small. That's what we should be doing. Praying thanks that that's their woes, you know? And and then I don't, I'm curious to know what your like big triggers are. Cause for me, like mine right now would be like when people complain about their hair, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, really? Like in front of me, in front of the cancer patient, you're complaining that your hair just, you're having a bad hair day. Imagine not having any. (laughs) Exactly. I know. Yeah, but I but know. It, you know, it's um it definitely whenever I reverse that mirror and I look at myself, you know, and we before I want to look at their speck in their eye, you know, I look at the plank in mine and I think about my relationship with other women that I never truly like my mom was a great example. I remember when she, you know, her hormonal shift and, you know, there's plenty of women in each of our lives that will go through menopause. And, you know, that's basically what we're going through. We are, we are being chemically forced to be in a perpetual state of menopause. That's what these hormone therapies are essentially. And, um, you know, when you're young and you, you're ignorant to it and you don't understand, again, it's, it's a battle that these women are going through inside that you don't get to see. So it's not like a broken bone where you can give empathy because you see with your eyes that they must be in pain you can't see that with these women and they are truly going through an emotional battle inside of them. And we can't control our emotions. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like we try, we try our hardest, but you know, these are chemical, it would be like, you know, a robot had like the world's most elite robot doing a arm wrestling battle with the world's strongest man. Guess what? The robot's going to beat him because <laughs> it's a robot. <laughs> yeah, this is chemical warfare now. Like, we, we're not even going up against a person. Like, this is chemicals that are going on yeah. inside of us. And, and it, you know, I never gave the proper respect to my mom. when I remember when she went through, you know, she had to do a hysterectomy. And then as soon as you get through a hysterectomy, the very first thing that you start talking about is all these chemicals that are going to pop into you to regulate you and to make you normal and make you feel better and make you feel normal and this, that, and the other. Because now they just took out everything that was giving you hormone, you know? Yep. And, and I remember talking with her and that's, you know, when she would say like, I felt such a, I mean, that's when she really went through these feeling crazy moments where she just went through these emotional shifts and she's never truly been able to work to get out of that. Like this is her body now, you know? And, and so I never understood that. I might even go as far to say that when I was younger and, you know, obviously on top of that, being young and not knowing, you know, not understanding what she was truly going through, we didn't have the best relationship either. So, you know, looking back, I feel so bad for what she went through because she had no one to talk to about that. Mm. You know, she didn't have friends that she could really just talk about. And like, we have each other and, you know, this internal battle that she was going through, well, no wonder she acted so wild. I get it. Like 
I mean, my husband makes fun of me and messes with me about my pain tolerance every time we get into a car, because for some reason, that's when my hot flash gets triggered. And he's like, clearly it's all in your mind. Right. And so then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was so hard on my mom for her, what I would call erratic behavior. And all the while now I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, if, if this is just a little bit of what she went through, how, how dare I, you know? But so, so I try to put myself in those positions to, you know, I mean, I, anybody that you deal with, you know, you never know what they're going through on the inside. And so it's definitely given me more empathy that I didn't realize I needed to work on. Yeah. I, I do feel like God is constantly at work on my heart Mm -hmm. since cancer. And I'm so grateful for that. And kind of sometimes what can get me out of that thought process of of judgment and turn to discernment is just knowing how God views them. Lord, put me back in a place of peace, in your peace, and let me grow in your wisdom, you yeah. know? And I, when I'm able to do that, I do this. And honestly, I don't even know if this thought process is that healthy because Genuinely in my heart, I'm not, I'm not saying this in like a um, self-serving egotistical way, but I think, man, this is really going to help me grow as a person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well it is, it's not going to it for sure. As I mean, I've watched you grow in the little time that I've, that I've known you and that's same girl, such a beautiful blessing. And it, and you inspire me, you know, it's funny that you talk about the hardness, like when we were going through it, I, which I've always kind of had this lighthearted unicorn rainbows spirit about me. I love to live in La La Land or Rebecca Land. And, you know, when people tell me to come to the real world and not live there, I say, well, you can live where you want to, but my world is way better than yours. <laughs> I love living in glitter, you know, um, <laughs> glitter and rainbows. But when I went through my whole cancer deal, like I felt like that was amplified because I, it was almost like I was this um, cartoon character of myself, like this cartoon character superhero on, you know, a Mario video game or something. And you know, like Peach's cousin or something. And, and I was going to come save the world. And the Lord had chosen me, you know, for this mission. Do, 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 do. And here I am, <laughs> save the day, you know. And, um, and, and all the people that I could affect, like I was going to do it all. You know, I was going to hit every single person's life and, and bring them to the Lord that I was going to. I was bring, I was, you know, on my way to bring some more souls with me. You know, I was yep. on it. And, and I was so like, I was all about encouraging other people that felt bad to see me suffer. You know, like I would, I was so, I was thinking so much outwardly. I remember, you know, I, I had the, the privilege and the honor and the blessing to have an incredible therapist. Her name is Celia. She, you know, we've talked about her, but she is just a, an incredible person that God has truly placed in therapy for many, many years. And that, that is her calling, you know, 
And so I'm um, actually stole her. She was my husband's therapist and I stole her from him because I loved her so much. But, uh, you know, marriage, what's his is mine, right? So Exactly. <laughs> but I just took her in that. But, um, you know, I remember, especially, you know, the first, probably the first 75% of my treatment, you know, almost the whole way through, really. I remember her kind of stopping me talking one day, which I talked with her throughout treatment, some, one, it, at least once a week, but sometimes two to three times a week, just because I wanted to be proactive I, instead of reactive. You know, you always hear that with, um, don't go to therapy, don't wait to go to therapy when there's a problem, right? Like yeah. be proactive, you know, talk your thoughts out in the moment with someone, if you have that opportunity, like that's, that's it. And so I knew, like I had no idea what the treat, what cancer was going to be like, what my journey was going to be like. So I, I, but what I did know is I was going to put the best people around me that I could get my hands on to help process whatever came my way. And so I remember talking with her towards the end. I remember her stopping me, telling some stories. She, she stopped me and she said, you know, you're almost done. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, every single treat, every single talk that we've had, has been all about what you are doing with this to affect other people. You have mm. consistently thought outwardly. There has not been a single time where we have talked where you have talked about yourself and how you're feeling and what you're doing. Mm. It's always been about other people. And, you know, and so we talked about how for me, like the easiest way for me to get through cancer was to know that I wasn't suffering for nothing, right? When it's not for nothing, right? So, so as long as my suffering Amen. has a purpose and God is being glorified and other people are being brought up, then I can keep going forever. Bring yeah. it on cancer. What, you want to give me a year? I bet I can do too. You know, I'm fine with it. As long as other people are being lifted up. And then I'm interesting because then now I feel like I'm, I'm hard, like you talked about. Hmm. And you know, I, the Lord has worked on me a lot with my hardness throughout my life. Like I, I think, you know, I probably before would have said, I'm just this lighthearted, playful person, but that lighthearted comedic person is a person that is, you know, it was that little girl protecting herself from all the different adversity that I grew up in and all the hard you know, times that I experienced growing up and just being in all the right, all the wrong places, you know, falling in love with all the wrong people and mm -hmm. put myself in the wrong places at the wrong time. And, and so protecting myself, I was hard. True. You know, if I look back at it, I was, you know, my walls were up. I would never get truly close to anybody. Right. I would keep it all light and playful because I could control that. And so yeah. now you know, cancer brings out a whole nother vulnerable side of you. And then on top of that, I came back home to my husband right before cancer. And, you know, I believe that, that like we talked in the last one, you know, I'm walking in the Lord's will being back home with my husband and being remarried to him. And, you know, it's been so beautiful to watch, but, but I'm also peeling back my layers with him too, and becoming more and more vulnerable with him too, while I'm suffering through an illness that's forcing me to do this quicker. You know, and I, like, I remember, yes. I mean, it's just wild. And well, so, you, that, that control that you hung on to for so long before you don't have a grasp on that anymore. Right. Right. Well, I think I really realized 
you know, I see it for sure with my relationships with my parents. And then I see it with my relationship with my husband. You know, before we had divorced and we were married the first time. Um, and for those of you who may not have caught the first episode of, of this podcast, um, I had met my husband, fell in love with him. He had been divorced when I met him for about two years, two and a half years from a woman that he was married to for 20 years with two children. So I mean, full life. And um, he had suffered from some addictions, ended up going to rehab. He's been living a sober life. I never knew him before sobriety. I mean, I've only known him as a sober divorcee, you know, <laughs> um, but we divorced about a year into our first marriage um, because his ex-wife had came into the picture and had, you know, he had been led to believe that she was ready to, um, she had, had a change of heart and she was ready to restore the relationship for the betterment of their kids. And so when we had that discussion, me being a child of divorce, you know, like I truly would, I mean, I, I have no idea the impact that, that would have led on my life, you know, to see my parents be so selfless and get back together just because they love me so much, you know, and, and work through their hatred for each other or whatever their woes were that led them, you know, away. And, um, and so of course I stepped away so that my husband could try to work on that relationship. And then that wasn't God's plan. So, you know, long story short, he brought me back and, and, and the first relationship, when we talk about hardness and protecting ourselves versus vulnerable, you know, I, there was so much threatening from the ex-wife that I would feel, mm -hmm. you know, and, and little, like there were so many triggers. I remember um, they were trying, when I came into the picture, he lived in a different house and um, she had just moved out of their house that they had built, which is the house that they live in now. And so I remember us getting, they, they were trying to sell it. And it just is such a big mammoth of a house, you know? And so anyways, it's a very cliche or a very niche market. And so anyways, we ended up, we, we decided to put both houses on the market just to see so that, you know, we didn't have to suffer through two mortgages every month, you know? Absolutely, and, um, yeah. and so of course the one that we were in sold immediately. And so we were in their house, right? And so I just remember like some triggers in the beginning of him saying like, you're going to love her closet or, uh, you know, when we were meeting with the decorator, you know, the interior designer, I mean, just things like, well, we used to have this here. So that that's what we, you know, and those things should not matter to me at all. Right. Like those, those things truly shouldn't matter, but they would trigger me so bad. And then, you know, she used to text him late at night and all those little things like mm. in the first marriage, I never truly could just feel safe and secure enough to truly be vulnerable. And so, I wouldn't have been able to either in that circumstance. Oh, so yeah. you're I not mean, alone in that. Girl, I, it was wild. But then now it's so different, right? And so just to see how cancer has just, I don't know, it's been a, a revelation of sorts to really just put kind of like a microscope, I guess. Um, you know, it's really... I feel like God has kind of put me under a microscope to me and, and really shown and revealed my heart. And, you know, I, um, for the first time ever in my life, it, it's taken cancer. It's taken everything to get here. I, I guess I'm more stubborn than maybe I ever thought I was, but God has truly revealed through all these things, these feeling hard, feeling judgmental against people and, um, 
trying to fight for my life and doing this and doing that, trying to be a wife still while I'm trying to figure out what living with an illness is like and, you know, trying to feel sexy and exciting to be with my husband, even though I feel like a mutant, you know, mm-hmm. um, God's Amen. truly just revealed, you know, how sovereign he is through that. And, you know, my worth has always been a thing that I've struggled with where it should come from. And, and so I guess looking at all of this, you know, and the vulnerability, I mean, when I think about the stories that you hear of Jesus teaching people, you know, today I was, when I was thinking about this podcast, for some reason, I was just thinking about the idea of how the people that are most influenced are the, and the most influential or childlike, you know, their children, they're childlike. And you hear in the Bible about the closer you are to God, the more childlike you are, you know? And, mm. and so today I thought about like, what was Jesus like as a child? Like, did he get straight A's? Like, was he in public school? Like, I, you know, I started thinking about this today. And then as we're talking about the vulnerabilities that this has brought us and just some revelations of, of our inner ick, you know, um, I think that that's part of getting closer to Christ and being more God-like, more Christ-like is you're going to be more vulnerable. And until you get there and you understand that your body, your vulnerabilities, your heart is not your own, you can't truly, you know, you can be used by him even against your will, right? Like you're, you can be used by him if he wants you to be used by him. But when you truly get out of the way, and you allow this submissive servant's heart to finally shine through, I think that's what we're experiencing, right? Is that's scary. That is a terrifying place for us to be in. It really is. Yes. <laughs> but then look at how useful it is. Like if you think about it, that's that's who Jesus is. Like that's what he represented, you know? And so anyways, that's a long rant. To answer your question, how am I doing? That's your answer. (laughs) That was the best rant ever. I loved it. (laughs) The hour hour long answer to one question. It's it's perfect. And you you also shared your heart in the reflection of the past year because you and I are coming up. I, I will be one year. It'll be my, and I'm not calling it an anniversary. I don't know what to call it yet, but right, me neither. it will be one year since my, since I found out, since I got diagnosed, February 10th will be my diagnosis date. And yours was at the end of March, right? right. Towards the end of March. The 26th, I think. Yeah. So we're coming up on one year since being diagnosed. It's wild. And in some ways I feel like, wow, the year's gone by. And in some ways I'm like, that was a completely different person who got diagnosed. That feels like a decade ago. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. but you shared, you know, so much of what you just said has been exactly what I've been feeling and I don't know how to express it. So Same. I thank you for sharing your heart because I feel like I now know how to explain it to my husband, even like even some of the things that you said, I'm going, I've like took little nuggets and I'm putting them in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm like, this is how I can kind of share what it's like. And I'm hoping that everybody listening to this, whether you're someone who knows somebody 
diagnosed, know somebody newly diagnosed, if you're a cancer patient yourself or you have been before, I just hope that this touches you in some way to understand what someone in in our shoes is is going through, but how we've kind of, by the grace of God, how we navigate it, you know, how, how we live on. And it's not easy. We're kind of in a little bit of a holding pattern, a little bit of a limbo right now, but I know we're going to get through it. God's going to push us through it because he always does. He pushed us through our treatment, you know, he'll push us through now. So, um, I'm, we need, we need to, to regroup. I think, I think we should have a podcast like every six months because, (laughs) because I, I feel like those increments of time, so much can change and so much can happen. How fast the world spins, you know, it's a freight train. It keeps moving and, you know, something can try to get in the way, but it's not, it's it's just going to push right on through it. It's just going to keep coming. Yeah. I, I, I will say it's truly such a special pleasure to have you in my life and in this journey with and to watch you and and even like it's been pretty cool to be able to reflect on my own kind of um growth and and just how we have really as a as a team and and just you know as encouraging godly women how we've went through this how we've experienced this you know it we've talked in the last podcast and we've talked about this privately several times. That's how we actually met, but being in support groups for breast cancer. Oh, they're a drag, man. You know, they, they, they can, can bring you down. Break you they, down. they are supportive of suicide and that's not a joke and it's not insensitive. That's true. Um, you know, it, it got to where, you know, you and I have talked about how it, it was a daily occurrence to, see you know the administrator of the groups posting angel wings um pictures because we've lost another angel right and you know these aren't people all of these people that that were passing away in our breast cancer support group were not people that the breast cancer killed maybe some of them some of them were suicidal some of them you know were were so many different things and the hopelessness that you would see for most of the women, most of the yes. women, wouldn't you agree? I would say 90% of the women, probably that big of a number. Yes. Um, was so negative and hopeless, hopeless is the word that I would just feel, you know, and the feeling I would feel when I would, I would look at it and to have God bring us to each other, you know, is really special. And I just think, you know, we, we always, you know, we always talk about our breasty, you know, mm-hmm. uh, relationship and, and we're constantly so thankful, but to really zoom out and see how just us being, you know, brought into each other's lives truly was a blessing from the Lord. You know, it was a confirmation, I, I believe, I, you know, I've loved having you in my life and watching you, you kept me going in so many ways. And so, you know, I think that's that we as being in each other's lives, you know, and the way that we, we were, you know, introduced to each other. I just truly believe that it was God confirming that we were in his will and to not yes. quit. 
you know, absolutely. And I feel 100% the same. And now that we're, you bring up the, that one particular breast cancer support group, it's for specifically young women with breast cancer. Um, and I, I really feel like we're going to be called back to that group, Rebecca, you and me, I think we need to, we need to lift up some people in that group. Um, it's so needed the, 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 the positivity and the light needs to be brought back into these women who don't know Jesus and I'm never one. And I know you aren't either and ever forcing my faith onto somebody else, but there is another way to live that is light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And it is just so true. He's always faithful. He always shows mercy. He'll, he will give you peace when you ask for it anytime. And I've, why I've never done this before. I have no idea. It was not until I got diagnosed with breast cancer that I ever said, God, I need your peace. I need you to wash me with your peace right now. Mm -hmm. He immediately did it immediately. And anytime I've asked for it since it's been immediate. Mm -hmm. He will give you what you need to get through anything. And so yeah, I, I, all of that to say that was more of like a personal thing <laughs> message to I you rather than yeah. the listeners. But I we we need to get back in that group and and uh and slay some some of some other people's Goliaths or yeah, help them help light. them help them slay their Goliaths and shine some light. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. But I want to get into some amazing things you are doing, my friend. A few months ago, you decided to launch your own online boutique. Yeah. And I know this has been a, a huge dream of yours. So what pushed you to finally say, okay, yep, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it now. Yeah, well, it just goes back to, you know, I didn't conquer death. So time to start living life to the fullest, you know. Amen. And I mean, I... I honestly, it's almost deadly, the amount of, of the feeling, you know, it's dangerous, really, the amount of invincibility that I feel after cancer, like, I, I can't, I cannot live a normal life now, I can't, Mm-mm. I can't just, you know, before cancer, I was working at a local dentist office, and I was so thankful for that job, you know, but it was really, you know, my husband is a doctor, he's friends with the dentist, the doctor there, you know, and, and so really he was doing us a favor because before I met my husband, I was selling cars or always working full time. And so my husband did not want me to work full time because we didn't need it financially. He would rather me be able to kind of cater my schedule around him and be home yeah. with him and, you know, whenever he wants to go on vacations, cause he's the boss, I need to be able to go too. Right. Yeah. And so, so this guy, this dentist, you know, he had kind of done us a favor and gave me two days a week. Right. So I was working at a dentist office, didn't know anything about dental, anything, <laughs> you know, but I loved the group that was there that worked there. I loved the team. And so that's kind of what I was doing day by day. And then just the rest of the days, I would try to pour into my community, get involved with my friends, do, you know, get involved with the church and then maintain the house and all that good stuff. But then after cancer, like I can't do that stuff anymore. Like I, I, I have, there is something inside of me that just like almost like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but then even physically, like I had to live out my dreams. And Amen. I am a fantasizer. I've got about 50 million different career dreams that I, you know, I've always, 
but this, the thing that I've always been great at and I've always truly enjoyed is retail and being with people and clothing. And I just love it. I, and there is something about it that, you know, I, I just sparkle when I'm doing it and it just works. Like it's a gift, you know, and that's really, I, I'm not very good at most things. I'm not an athlete. I'm not, you know, but I, I am good at making, I have a desire and I, and I'm good at it, you know, making women feel good about themselves and, you know, just taking outfitting and making it a witnessing tool and, and a friendship builder and a relationship builder and, you know, using clothing, it, it's so much deeper than the outfit, right? It's yes. using that as a, as a medium, as a, as a, you know, a beacon of hope and a way to bring women together that would never have met each other, you know, and, and a way to bring God into it. And, you know, just all these different things for me, that's been fashion. And so I've always worked for, I've never owned my own clothing store. I ran other people's clothing stores and managed them like it was my store, right? Um, but it was always still technically their store. Somebody right? else's, yep. Yeah, so, so I was kind of the liaison, you know? And then when I came back home to my husband, I had some friends that I had met that where I was managing one of their stores. And, you know, when I, where I came back home, that was out of town, right? So I couldn't keep doing that. And, um, and so they would let me do, they would still kind of, just because I missed it so much, you know, they would let me just walk into any of their stores, take some of their inventory and do little pop-up stores just so I could kind of get my fix, you know? Yeah. But then now I remember I had, my husband was gone. It was maybe a month after, um, you know, I had finished treatment. My husband was gone on like a weekend guys trip. And one of my girlfriends here, uh, Catherine, you know, we were, we were, chilling at, upstairs in my house and talking about what's next, right? What am I going to do in my life? I had already filled out college applications. I had different, you know, ideas. I was really brainstorming. I didn't know. And, um, and then finally one day she just goes, why don't you just open up an online clothing store? I mean, you already are known for it. Why don't you just do it for yourself instead of doing it for other people? You know, this is what you yes. love you know, you're good at it. You know, you already have the following and you love it. Why not do that? And so we spent that whole weekend while my husband was away. We spent that whole weekend filling up these big white dry erase boards with my business plan. Right. And, and then, you know, we would poke holes in the business plan because, you know, I was going to have to ask my husband to be an investor, right? Like in the beginning, right? Cause I just got done with cancer. So I didn't have money to invest in anything. And so I um, you know, I remember him getting back and I had planned with my friend, Catherine, all the naysaying no's and questions that he was going to use, you know, that he was, he, that he might pitch me. And so I, I pitched him my idea and then I, I take down one whiteboard and I pull up the next whiteboard with all of his naysayer possibilities of questions. Right. And then I give him the answers and then I go, you know, I take a big deep breath. And I say, so what do you think? And I was, I was just anticipating the no, right? And uh, he goes, sounds like a plan. I think that that's the best. It sounds like a great idea. I think that's the best plan you've had so far. When do, when wow. do you think you can get started? And I, and I, like, yeah, you would have thought I've been like, 
yes, woohoo. But at first I was kind of like, wait, what? Like, I am prepared. Like, this is not what I prepared for. I'm not prepared for you to be on board. You're never on board. Like, you always have to, you know, challenge everything I say. So, like, I have to come prepared. And, and I did. And, you know, there's so, anyways, I have, so I, that was at the end of October. I go to my first market and um, I established myself as an official business LLC. Um, started out as Shop Rebecca's. And then I've, I've since then, you know, changed it to Madison Lane um, just because I'm, kind of working towards everything was so great during holiday season. And so just trying to become more legit and get a better Google presence and all that good stuff for you. I love it. I love it. And your stuff is incredible. I have made some purchases and um, yeah, I I love all your pieces. They are right up my alley. They're at, well, they're right up my alley, but they're like a bump up from what I usually <laughs> will dress myself in, especially, you know, I've, I'm the typical mom. I wear like the yoga pants and a tank top with like either a sweatshirt or some kind of throw over or something. You That's like a cozy mom, but I am a cozy mom. You are not a typical anything. There ain't nothing <laughs> typical about you. You're a typical. <laughs> You are so sweet and amazing. I feel the same about you, girlfriend. Um, but yes, but I, I feel it, it's it's so comfortable. The quality is so amazing. And you price point it so it can fit anyone's budget. And that's what I really, really appreciate too. Um, and I'm just, I'm so stinking pumped for you. And this is amazing. But now you have, you're adding more, girl. You decided that over ambition. Thank you, you, cancer. So this this was October. So that's not yeah. that long ago. That's just yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. And already you're like, okay, I own my own online store. That's doing well. What next? Already. I'm going to now design <laughs> and produce my uh-huh. own athletic line, uh-huh. starting with leggings, right? right? That's what that's your first launch. So yeah. first off, I, I want to say this like at least three times in the podcast episode, and we're going to have it in the show notes, but when is the launch? Yeah. So you are very sweet. Like <laughs> plug alert. And <laughs> we're plugging, plugging, baby. Fan. <laughs> I really am. Um, so, so yeah. So SR Sport will be my activewear line. I've been designing it just about the same time as I opened up the store and, um, so fully designed by me, um, and the launch will be the 30th, so January 30th, which is, uh, I guess, what, next Saturday? So depending yes. on when- Three days know, after this episode airs. So we yeah, are recording so- this a week, not even a week early. Right. Actually, <laughs> wait, in, so in nine days is when it launches nine from when we're recording this. Oh my gosh, this. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yep. Okay, so yeah, so January the 30th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, yeah, that's the launch, the very first launch. So where is it? Lagging. Where are we going to be able to purchase it? Where do yeah. we go? So, so maybe, so on this podcast, can you link? I will link. I will, link? Do, I will yeah. be linking everything. I will be giving all the dates. I will awesome. be giving all the information. Okay. So, so right now I, I'm going to, I do most of my selling through Facebook. Um, so the easiest way would probably be, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch it on my website at 1 PM, but I will also be doing an actual live sale 
of them cool. at 1 p.m. Yeah. So, you know, the goal is that we sell out, you know, the first Absolutely. day. That would be uh, a dream come true. But yeah, I would love that. So right now I've got um, this first launch. We'll just be leggings, like you said. And, um, you know, it's real special after meeting people like you and, and going through what we've been through and just having so many wonderful women in my life at this time in my life, you know, it just, it's kind of funny because also I definitely did not know this going into, you know, the time frame. but then, you know, Wonder Woman also just the movie Wonder Woman just launched and they got a lot of fun superhero girl themed movies coming out, which definitely didn't know they were going to be doing that. So it was just perfect timing. But, um, you know, the last couple months when I was designing, I just kept being so reminded by the women in my life and how each of you guys are truly sheroes, right? Like you're truly superhero women in your own right, whether it's, you know, being able to get up in the morning and put on your yoga pants and, you know, make a cup of coffee all the while, you know, all while you're feeding the dog, cleaning the dishes, cleaning up the kitchen with a baby on your hip and another baby on your leg. And, you know, then getting to the gym, dropping the babies off at the daycare or at your school, getting in car lines and getting out of car line, then doing this and doing that, you know, there's, so, it just looks like so many different things or, you know, the, the women that are, you know, having to travel for work and, and still managing to be a mom or still, you know, just, there's so many different types of women that are truly super sheroes and heroes. Right. And so I, I love it. Having yes. this hero, inner hero theme coming into my head every time I would design. And then, you know, I had this, I think I told you, you know, the slogan of give a girl, you know, a great pair of leggings and she can conquer the world. And so yes. as I expanded on that, you know, I just, I started just designing away. And, and so I came up this first launch, I've got three different styles and a few colors of each. And, uh, you know, they're, they're each themed out by, by heroes. And um, so I've got the stormy and the wonder and, you know, the widow um, for the edgy, yes. the edgy heroes. Uh-huh. That's so I'm me. super excited. I'm so excited to launch it. And, you know, I haven't even launched my first launch, you know, as we were talking about off of this. And I've already gotten this super awesome offer from a retailer, uh, retail store to design them their own special full line. So, you know, for my own, uh, I'm launching just leggings, right? Because I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. And then I haven't even launched that yet. And now I also... We'll be launching in March uh, with the retailers. So you said what your clothing line is called. You said it's SR Sport, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. What made you come up with that that name? Yeah. So you know, my original boutique name was Shop Rebecca's. Yes. So SR Shop Rebecca's. So SR Sport. It. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna keep that. I think for now, I like you it. know, so so my workout line, my my designing deal, you know, it's. I have two separate entities within that one. <laughs> so, you know, I've got the, the, the SR sport that I'll be carrying at my store, which will be more of the everyday pricing for, you know, leggings and activewear, full blown activewear eventually. And for anybody of any, any size, shape and any price, you know, any budget, love it, budget size. And then for the retailer, they're a bit more luxury. So they will be have that, brand is called all things. So I came up with that um, to kind of be like my luxury line just for them exclusively. 
and all things, you know, as Christian women, we're constantly reminded by, I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me. And Amen. I, I love like that. that is the ultimate action where line, because you, you know, you need active wear is for the strong woman, not for the woman that exercises, it's for the strong woman, the strong woman that's lifting three kids, the strong woman that had walking five dogs, the strong woman that's making a bed every day for her husband, the strong woman that's making meals, strong woman that's waking up at four in the morning to make breakfast for her husband to be at work at five, you know, Amen. Uh, that strong woman needs that strength. And, and so all of that active wear is pray over and, you know, I, I'm excited to see how far it goes. That's exciting. Girl, I'm so excited to see how far everything goes. I mean, <laughs> there is, there's no limit. I think God is going to, I mean, he already has blessed you abundantly and I think he's just going to continue to. And I'm so fortunate that I get to watch it all and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to, I need to be like on my computer exactly right before that launch date. <laughs> if, if I, if I do not get those widow, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to flip. That is so funny that you're the edgy one. That is I am. She, Black widow is my favorite. She's my favorite Marvel character. She's I cool. love her so much. And I love Scarlet as like, I love Scarlet. I do Johansson too. Yes. Cool. Yeah. She's awesome. Well, well girl, thank <laughs> you so much for being back on the show, coming on you know, stripping down, being so vulnerable again. You are just my soul sister, my mm -hmm. sister in Christ, and my breastie for life. I love you, girl. I love you too, my sister. Anytime. Man, oh day, did my girl Rebecca speak to me today. I feel just so blessed to have her in my life, and I hope you all enjoyed hearing her bold, faithful truth as much as I did. If you would like to support Rebecca's activewear launch, I have everything linked in the show notes to make it easy for you. Give my girl some love, go to her site, see all that she has to offer in her Mazden Lane boutique, as well as her new SR Sport line. I'm so pumped and so excited. And I've seen some of the stuff. I haven't actually, you know, she lives in Alabama. I live in Pennsylvania. So I have not physically gotten anything in my hands yet, but I have seen what she's launching on the 30th. And I've got to tell you, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. I'm so excited. Join me next week when I celebrate eight years of marriage with my handsome husband, David. And I tell you the top eight things I've learned in our eight years together. It's a mix of tips and lessons and how God's hand in it all has kept us strong. Thank you guys for all your love and support always. Have a beautifully blessed day. Be well. Be awesome. <laughs>